This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, January 6, 2023. Well, first week is gone, first trading week of the market's on. We had a really great day today, but I don't want you to get too excited about it. We had a really good day. Let's enjoy the day, but you know, one day does not mean a trend. So let's just sit back and observe. I do think this year is going to be a good year for the market. I really do. So, um, but I think we're going to go through some tougher times in the short run than in the long run. And I've mentioned this before. So I think by the end of the year, the market will be up and it'll be up 10% or higher, in my opinion. But we'll see. That's only a guess. No one really knows. No one really does. And of course, it depends on what the Fed does. There's a lot of depends, you know. What is China going to do? Are they finally going to you know, get off this, this uh, zero uh, tolerance for COVID and get their economy moving again? Is Russia going to expand its invasion to Ukraine? You know, there's a lot of unknowns. We just don't know. The fi- financial future is always a little murky. But I will tell you this, this best place to be is in the stock market if you want to grow your money. Now, with interest rates rising, it's attracting more people to dividend stocks and, and bonds, which is a normal situation. Normal. Anyways, the reason you'll download this podcast, right, is to get some answers. And I'm hoping that I can provide some of those answers for you, especially if you want to secure your financial future. It might be tempting to pretend that the market today is just like it was last year or the year before. It's not. Every market, every year is different. I can tell you long term, the market does go up. Always has, always will, as far as we know. I'm Steve Pease. I'm here today on this radio program and podcast to help you make the most of your portfolio strategy and decisions. In fact, I look forward to doing the show, talking to you, answering your investment questions. You can call anytime you want. The number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. It's also open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 888-99-CHART. And, of course, I got a bunch of stuff we got to talk about. My focus point today is the oil market crisis sparked by the Russian invasion nearing its end? Are we seeing the end of it? Analysts remain divided on the topic in 2023. However, prices have fallen pretty sharply. Have you seen the price of a barrel of oil? What, what, around $73, $74 a barrel? When it was 130 during the peak of the crisis, so... We'll talk about that in more detail. Anyway, also, uh, I want to talk about um, there's an expert out there who's saying that 90% of online content by the year 2025 will be produced by artificial intelligence, not by people. 90%. That's a little concerning. We'll, We'll brush by the economic stats that were out today. I thought they were interesting. 
the Fed, Federal Reserve is calling for more rate hikes. Um, and I want to talk about Silvergate Capital Corporation. Know who they are? Well, we'll talk about them. And what are the three financial houses that are probably going to dominate for the next decade or so? And I, I'm not talking about investment, you know, like uh, like uh, Goldman Sachs or anything. I'm talking about financial houses that, that manage or control your money or you put your money with them. There's three of them out there, three that I think are going to be pretty big. The market today, Dow is up 701 points. The Nasdaq up 264, and the S&P up 87 points. Now, though, that's a good day. That's a good day. Not a great day, except for the Dow, maybe, but a good day. Okay, it's Friday, and of course, I'm going to share uh, my KPP Premium Newsletter highlights with you. That's coming up about the halfway mark. We also want to talk about the... Um, uh, some call-in questions that came in. Dish Network, someone wants to talk about that. Uh, there's a couple other things, and we'll get to those. So we got a pretty full day, and I usually plan a pretty full day. Justin and I usually do that. So give me a call. The lines are now open, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's go ahead and take our first caller. Hey, guys, this is Josh from Tampa. Thanks for everything you guys do. I'm calling today about Kinsale Capital, ticker uh, KNSL. They're insured. They seem to have a pretty good combined ratio and are growing at a pretty good rate. My question is, they seem to be pretty overvalued, and I was just wondering if you guys think that the valuation is warranted because of the growth. If not, what would be kind of a good number to maybe get in and what your overall thoughts of the company are? Thank you. Have a good day. Kinsale Capital Corporation, they're out of uh, Richmond, Virginia, provides property and casualty insurance coverage in all 50 states and D.C. They've been able to grow their earnings and grow their sales very consistently over the years. That's why they're overpriced because <clears throat> they've been able to, you know, they've been able to achieve growth in difficult markets and not difficult markets and their profits are pretty darn strong. They're going to make $7.29 a share this year, then $8.82 a share next year. But they have increased their earnings every year going back to 2015, every year. So, And sales growth has been increasing in the 30% area. So what's, a, what's the value? It's trading at $271.90 a share, $271, making $8.82 per share. That's a huge premium to, you know, the price of the stock. Should you pay that kind of premium? Well, you know, I don't. You know, I I, I just don't. I don't like paying that huge premium, especially for insurance companies. Um, you know, I mean, we're, this is a 31 PE based on next year's earnings. Uh Return to equity is very good at 21%. Management owns 6%, which is very good. Mutual funds have been buyers. They own 60% of the company. All the fundamentals look great. It's just too expensive. Now, you ask where should you buy it. I, I wouldn't buy it unless it got back down to the $200 area. I, I, just, I just wouldn't do it. 
That's Kinsale Capital Corporation, K-N-S-L. We're headed to a break. I welcome your financial investment questions, and you can do it right now. No questions too simple or too hard. You set the agenda. You can call InvestTalk at 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. It's a new year, but you've got finance and investment questions, so Steve Peasley is here, ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Okay, we are headed into, well, no, the, my focus point today is, is the oil market crisis sparked by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, nearing its end. Now, analysts remain divided on that, by the way. We, they're not sure. For 2023, they're not sure if the prices are going to spike or they're going to go down. I think the prices are going to stay relatively high most of the year. But no one really knows. Um, are we going to have a global recession? Everybody feared that when Russia invaded Ukraine. So far, it hasn't come true. And China's COVID problems. That was also a big fear. Is that turning out to be a big problem? Not really. So energy prices are going to be high because demand is going to go up. It's not coming down. People think that, you know, oh, we're going to go to clean energy, and we are. We are. But it's going to take years, decades, decades, and we'll still be using oil and natural gas. But over the next 10 years, 12 years, Demand is going to go up for oil and natural gas. So what will they go up to? They'll be consistently higher. I can't tell you where no one, you know, if I, if I get a guess at a number, then it's a guess. But I can tell you this, I think oil, big oil, big oil companies are going to benefit no matter what. They're going to benefit from higher prices, and I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. You can take a look at the futures market for oil. And you can see that most people, remember oil is trading, what, uh, $73 or so. And, you know, most futures are pretty much either that or higher. So they think prices are going to go up in the future. That's unusual. Usually prices, when you buy something in the future, it's usually less costly now, not more. Okay, uh, let's see. What else do I need to talk to you about? How about, uh, did you see, um, that I, I wanted to talk about the experts predicting 90% of all online content will be, uh, be produced by artificial intelligence. 
In other words, the internet all is going to be driven 90% by artificial intelligence. What is that going to do? If that's true, um, I'm not sure how, how, how to pack that, how to, how to respond to that. As an investor, I'm not sure how to respond to that. I don't know. And are they right? They might be. They might be. Let's go to another caller question. Hi, Steve and Justin. My name's Brian. I'm calling from Denver. I had a question about corporate bonds. I've been starting to kind of look at corporate bonds for the first time in my life. I've been an investor for the last about five years, so they're very enticing at this time, and so I'm starting to look into them. I happen to be looking at some corporate bonds with a DISH Corporation. Their ticker is D-I-S-H. The rating is a B, and the maturity date is November of next year. You know, it has a high yield, but I'm trying to understand how we should go about, you know, looking into companies like this that are paying a high yield for a corporate bond and make sure that they're going to remain solvent and in business for, you know, the near term. What kinds of things do you guys recommend looking into to do an analysis to kind of confirm that? Any information would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for all you do. Uh, Take care. It's going to be very difficult for you as an individual to do research on corporate bonds and the corporation itself, whether they're going to be solvent a year, two years, five years from now. It's going to be very difficult. And they have rating agencies out there who do that for you. You said it's a rating B. A B rating is pretty low. Okay, you got you got triple A plus, triple A, triple A minus, triple B, and then go double A, single A, okay, then triple B plus, and then triple B, and on down, 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 and you have a single B rating. That's below investment grade. I would not invest in a bond if you're a novice below investment grade. What is investment grade? Well, triple B plus and higher. Can you buy bonds less than that? Well, of course, and you can. You know they'll pay a higher higher yield, but you're taking risks. Now, this is Dish Network. They're an eight billion dollar company. Um, they're shrinking in size as far as sales. Earnings are going down, uh, and they have high debt. Management owns fifty three percent. So you know, I, it wouldn't it wouldn't attract me. It would not. But try not to get too lost in the weeds of trying to figure out corporations, corporate bonds, and how, how good they will be in paying their debts and what debt level do they have. you got to leave that stuff to the experts. You and I, you know, that's pretty difficult. Okay? It's Friday, so the weekend is here, or almost here anyways. In the meantime, you have... You have a, if you do have financial investment questions or anything to do with finance that you want to talk about, that's what we're here for. Give us a call. Our podcast goes live every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. You can call right now, 888-99-CHART. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24-7 Anytime Listener Line at 888-99-CHART. 
888-992-4278. On Fridays, I generally make uh, time to run down quickly the key benchmark numbers that we study every week. The two-year Treasury yield from the government is 4.256%. You buy a two-year bond from the government, you'll get 4.25% return per year. Now, a little for a little, little perspective, it was 4.4% last week, so it went down. 4.1% three weeks ago, so it went up. 54 weeks ago, over a little over a year, is 0.64%. So all of 2022, the Federal Reserve kept pushing up interest rates, and this is the result. Now, compare that with a 10-year Treasury. They pay 3.5. Remember, the two-year pays 4.2. So you're going to buy a bond for 10 years, hold it for a lot longer, and get less for your money. That's not normal. Okay? That's an inversion of the yield curve. Shouldn't be that way. Whenever that's been that way in the past, we've had a recession. So are we going to go into a recession? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's certainly odd what's going on. Gold, priced at $1,868 an ounce. Last week was 1823, so it went up nicely. Three years ago, it was 1792. Uh, I think I think gold's going to have a good year this year. 2023 be a good year for gold. I do. So we'll see. Silver today, 23.88 per ounce, 23 dollars and 88 cents. It was 23.21 three weeks ago, 21 dollars seven weeks ago. It was uh, way back when. Uh, what, 24 weeks ago, it was 1864, so it's had a nice move up. Gold and silver have moved up sharply from their, from being kind of depressed. 2022 was not a good year for either one of those. Not a good year for those. Okay, oil, as I said, is $73.78, and as I said, it was $130 at the peak of the uh, Russia invasion of Ukraine during that little crisis there. The national average for a gallon of gasoline is $3.29. Uh, last week, it was three seventeen. Two weeks ago, it was three oh nine. So in California, it was averaging $4.44. Ours is always more expensive. You ever notice that? $4.44. Oh, well. Last week, it was $4.39. So it gone, it's just gone up. Mississippi, $2.90 a gallon. That's not bad. Okay, that's $1.54 cheaper than in California. Okay, let's swing back to another InvestTalk Voice Bank question that came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. Love your show. Happy New Year. My question is with regard to when you buy a stock, putting in a stop order above the price. I've done below the price, but I was wondering what you consider in placing a stop above the price. Thank you for your help. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Okay, you don't, okay, you don't call it a stop order when you put it above the price because if you're putting an order to buy a stock above the price or you're putting an order to sell a stock if it reaches a certain point. So you can do that. But most brokerage firms for small people won't let you do that. Most of them won't. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Putting a price uh, that you think is going to go to, and when it does, you want to get out. Stop me out of that stock. Get me out. 
So, yeah, you can do that. Um, you can put it, I, I just don't know. The problem with that is it could spike there for a minute or two, take you out, and then go back down where it was, or vice versa. You're trying to guess the day-to-day movement of stock prices, and it's just it's not a good way to invest money. It's just not. And I wouldn't suggest it. I really wouldn't. Okay, buy good, solid companies that have good earnings, good profits, and are been around for a while, long enough for you to be able to do research on the history of that company, and just buy them at a reasonable price, and you'll be fine. A lot of people have trouble with that because they don't have the patience. And the stock market does take patience, everybody. It just does. I mean, there's been study after study that's shown that the market moves, most of its move is just in a few days of the trading year. Most of the move up or down for the year, for the stock market, is just in a few days, a week, two weeks, three weeks of the whole trading year. So trying to guess which of those days is which is extremely difficult. And you shouldn't try it. Buy solid stocks. Have earnings, growing their earnings, have sales, growing their sales, and paying a nice dividend would be nice. Don't have to be. If you're after growth stocks, you look for growth. You have to value stocks. If you don't, you look for value. Depends on what kind of investor you want to be. <clears throat> We're moving into a break. I'll be sharing highlights from the newest KPP Premium newsletter shortly. That's coming up right at the break time. So hang on, everybody. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, 
AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to take on your finance and investment questions. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Justin and Steve. This is James from Georgia. I was trying to call you guys. I got a question about this stock, ticker symbol F-I-V-N. And uh, this is a company which I had this thing called Tip Ranks on my phone gives me notifications and got a recommendation to buy this stock and I wanted to know what you thought about it. We appreciate you, all your advice. We love the show. Thanks. Well, it's a growth stock and they're growing pretty fast. 29% last quarter in sales, 32% a quarter before that. So they're growing pretty darn fast. It's 5.9 Inc. F-I-V-N develops cloud-based customer contact software that assists contact centers and customer services, sales, and marketing. They're going to make a dollar fifty-seven next year, dollar thirty-seven last year, dollar sixteen the year before that. So they have been on a growth pattern. They've got up to about a hundred and what was it? Close to two hundred. Yeah, two hundred eleven dollars a share in two thousand and twenty-one was their peak. Now they're sixty-seven. So it might look like a bargain. But the P ratio at, at, at the price of the stock is 67 with next year's earnings is still 43. Remember, the S&P 500 average P ratio is around 15. And this one's 43. So, you know, it's a growth stock. Does it justify that growth? Management owns 2%. They have a huge debt. And I would say, I don't care for the company. Way too much debt. And it's pretty expensive. And I don't think the growth stocks are where you want to be this year or next year or in the next couple of years. You want to be in the value part of the market. Okay? The KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today, and it will be distributed to subscribers tomorrow morning. Now, I have a quick preview for you. In the market conditions section, we explained that as investors started the new year with hopes of a, a relief rally, the stock market disappointed except for today, and continued a pretty negative sentiment for most of the week. Much of the sell-off was due to the Fed's December minutes, which suggested that higher rates are here to stay, and they're going to keep raising them. The Fed did not say anything different from that which they have been already stated. So higher rates are coming. That's what they said. Currently about 2.75% uh, of Fed rate hikes have not yet been digested in the economy. It takes time, people. When the Fed raises rates, it takes time for it to spread out through the economy, and corporations and individuals realize they're spending a lot more money on borrowing costs. 
and that affects the company, that affects their decision-making going forward. But it does take a while to get through into the system. So typically, the money supply will grow again before the recession is over. So if we're going into a recession, which I think we are, I do think it's going to be mild, and I don't think it's going to be that deep, but we certainly feel like we're going into a recession, um, the money supply will start to increase. In other words, they'll start, they, well, the Fed will start reducing rates or pumping money into the system again. So uh, it, we're in a difficult position at this point. You know, the, the, we're going to expect more volatility because of the position the Fed is, have us, has us in. So you're going to have to just expect it. That's what that is. The Josh Meyer closed at 2022 high, a high note. The company's added uh, more positions than expected in December. This, according to payroll processing ADP, private payroll rose 235,000. The official number came out today, and that rose here at 233,000. So pretty good, actually. Not too bad. Not too bad. Payroll growth decelerated in December, but was still better than expected. So, yeah, that's not bad. Unemployment rate fell to 3.5% uh, from 3.6 when it was expected to go up a tick to 3.7% unemployment rate. Uh, that, was, that was a good read, too. There was a couple of not-so-good ideas, not-so-good numbers, too. We'll talk about them, hopefully, before the day is out. Uh, the stock ideas section, one of the nation's largest natural gas dis distribution companies. It has approximately 3.5 million customers in Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia. Its electric utility transmits and distributes electricity in northern Indiana to about 500,000 customers. The regulated utility uh, electric utility is also also owns more than 3,000 megawatts of generation capacity, most of which is now coal-fired. And you know how the current administration hates coal, but it's being replaced by natural gas and renewable energies. Now, natural gas, even the, the current, uh, the current uh, uh, administration doesn't like natural gas either, but it's a lot better than coal. I like natural gas. I think it's a great energy source for us, and we have a, an abundance of it here in the United States. So a couple of stock ideas there. Um, let's see. What else do I want to talk about? Uh, by the way, that uh, utility pays a nice dividend, near 6%. And I like that a lot. Okay, the other one is a leader in the U.S. high-end malt beverages and and adjacent categories market with strong positions in craft beer, hard cider, hard seltzer. It drinks its drinks are produced in both company-owned breweries as well as through third-party contract arrangements. And while the company primarily goes to market through independent wholesalers, as mandated by law, by the way, it operates a fairly large sell force to induce demand across the value chain. In other words, distributors, retailers, drinkers. So the stock has had a steep sell-off and looks like it found support about $320 this year. Well, it might be something you might be interested in if you like that sector. 
Okay. So let's go. Let's go ahead and get another caller question in. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hi, Steve or Justin. I'm calling. I'm asking a follow up question from another listener. They were talking about small cap ETFs. My question is just how do those work exactly? If over time small cap and value do grow, do they just recycle out small cap companies with other small cap companies? Like how does the value actually go up on these funds? I looked at. I think the one that was mentioned in the show was Vanguard's VBR maybe, and I looked at they had a larger cap value ETF as well, trading at similar prices. And so I'm just trying to figure out how these work. Thanks for all your guys' help, and uh, I'll listen on the show. Bye. So when a mutual fund company comes out with a fund, and they call it the small cap uh, index or small cap growth or value, they define what small cap means. And they don't necessarily sell that stock just because it becomes a mid-cap company. Okay, they don't necessarily sell it. They usually give themselves more freedom, more you know, room to hold on to that if it's still a really good position that they like. So you have to read the definition of the mutual fund or ETF of their definition of what a small, small cap company is. Okay, and usually small cap is you know one to one to two billion dollars, maybe three. And by the way, there is no official definition of small, mid, or large cap stocks. There's no official. Large caps are usually deemed at anything over ten billion dollars, but in these days, that's pretty common. <laughs> so I don't know if that you know should pertain or we should change that. But there's no official definition, so there's no governing body that tells you what that is, what small caps are. And again, you have to go to the ETF, the mutual fund company that's issuing the mutual fund or ETF and find out what their definition is that they're going to put into their small cap fund. Okay. Let's go ahead and make it two in a row. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This has been from Virginia. I've been listening now for a couple of years. And first, I just want to say thank you all so much for what you do. I've learned a ton listening to the show uh, via podcast and appreciated the consultation we had as well as uh, still trying to convince some family members to get on board with you guys. My question today is about NRGU. This is a 3X leveraged energy ETF that I originally purchased at the beginning of the pandemic in double digits. And it did really well for a little while, and I took profits on it, and then it kept doing well, uh, even though it was very volatile, and I wish I'd stayed in it then. I've since relatively recently gotten back into it at much higher price and have made a little bit of money here and there, but it's, I'm feeling the volatility. And I know that Steve has said that he believes that energy is still on the rise, that it's still got a little ways to go up, and I'm trying to recoup some losses, uh, in a sense, from not having invested most of my life. At the moment, my energy U holding, uh, not just my energy sector holding, which is even more, but my energy U is currently 15% of my portfolio. I realize that time part of that's because of the growth, and I would like to hang on to it if we think that it's something decent that might continue to benefit from the rise in energy. But I'd love to get your opinion on it because I haven't really broken down what all is inside of the fund. And just your general opinion on this kind of leveraged ETF in a space that may do well. I uh, appreciate any advice you may have. And again, thank you so much for the podcast. Looking forward to hearing the answer on the show. Okay, these, um, these ETFs that are leveraged scare me, by the way, just in case you know. Uh, this is a MRGU, is an ETN, 
little bit different than ETF, but not enough to really to worry about. Seeking investment results corresponding to the selective micro sectors of U.S. big oil index. So we got to find out what that means. Select selective micro sectors of U.S. big index. I like oil. I like, and you've heard me talk about that. I like energy. I think it's got a ways to go. Um, most energy stocks are still pretty low priced. I mean, if you look at the big boys, which are you know basically Exxon Mobil and Chevron, right? I mean, they're the big big boys. So uh, you're looking at Exxon Mobil has a PE ratio of nine, and if you're looking at Chevron, their PE ratio is ten. But if you look at the forward earnings for both of those, it's under ten. So, and. I don't know. I'd like the energy sector for a longer-term hold. Um, I don't think you should. If China gets on back in the growth mode, because they're the one that's really not putting a lot of demand on oil right now, uh, these oil prices are going to go up. Oil prices are going to go up, and these oil stocks are going to go up with them. So I like oil, natural gas. I think it's a good place to be. And there's good value over there and good dividends while you're waiting for it. I like all, all those things. Whether you should get in or out, you know, you should have rules to take you out of a, a position. Uh, it, and that whatever that rule is, is what, you know, you might have to reconsider your rule if it's not doing what you think it's going to do. So I don't know if I would be in this particular fund if it's leveraged as you say but it doesn't say it's leveraged here on my screen so I'm not sure the day we talked about a lot okay in December has arrived the new year is here this should make all of us realize that eventually another day is coming retirement day okay are you preparing for that day now time goes by pretty fast everybody if you're serious about your financial future, you have to deal with things that come to you. You need to have to update strategies, and based on your personal circumstances, your portfolio, your goals, and whether they're achievable, reasonable. Okay, you got to figure that out. And if you have trouble figuring that out, and you have trouble figuring out how much risk you're taking and whether you know you you're you're properly positioned, well, that's what KPP Financial is here to help you with. We have a number of programs. We have a method to evaluate your fund, your your portfolio and your personal risk tolerance to see if you can handle the risk that you're investing and that you're going to achieve the goals that you set. Okay? And just having a goal, I want to save a million dollars. That's not a very good goal. Of course everybody wants to save a million dollars. Of course. But a goal you should set is what kind of income can a million dollars produce when I'm 65 or 70, when I retire, and is that enough for me to maintain my lifestyle? That's what you should ask. So give us a call at KPP Financial. We'll be happy to help you with those kind of questions. I think after 10 minutes talking to us, you'll realize we're a little bit different. So Justin and I would be happy to talk to you. And there's no obligation. There's no, we don't twist your arm. We're not trying to convince you of anything. You know, we don't do that. We just want to help you. So let us help you. The sooner you do that, the better you off you'll be. Okay? 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Alberto in San Jose. Hi, Alberto. how are you doing? Um, Good. 
I love your show. Thank you for everything you guys do. So I noticed the market's been down. I've been a, a player in Apple for quite some time, and I'm continuing to put more money into Apple. My question is, portfolio is almost at 45% on Apple. I really love the company, and I think it's on discount now. Should I still continue to buy Apple or having it at such high level of my portfolio at 45%? Is that risky? So, yes, 45% is way too much risk for one stock. And I love Apple. We own Apple in our managed accounts. Don't get me wrong. I love Apple. But 45% means whatever happens to Apple happens to your whole portfolio. And in one sense, if the portfolio is doing really well and Apple's doing really well, you're doing great. Another sense, if Apple takes a dive for some unknown reason, it doesn't have to be something Apple did wrong. You know, it could be the EU coming down on the big tech stocks, and they usually come down on our stocks, right, our our companies. So, yeah, that's too much. We don't like to own uh, – when we buy a stock, we buy usually 3% or 5% of our portfolio. If it gets up that high, we would be cutting it back. We don't let it get that high, you know, as a percentage of the portfolio. This is Invest.com. Steve Peasley, we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. Give us a call, 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. I'm just wondering about some life insurance. I recently just signed up for a variable universal life insurance, and I just want want your guys' opinion to see if I'm making the right decision with this. Thanks again. Bye. I don't care for variable life uh, insurance. I don't care for whole life. I don't care for universal life. I do like term life, but I don't. I'm not a big life insurance guy because I think you know it's. They tell you how great of an investment it is, and they give you all the highlights of what it will do. But you know, I've seen too many of these policies and too many people trying to get out of them years later and not be very happy about that. Term life, and life insurance in general, you should buy it for a specific reason. I have children, I need to protect them if something happens to me and my income. Or my wife, something happens to her, or my husband, and their income, and you know something happens to them. A reason for it. Maybe you, you don't have children, maybe you have a mortgage though, and you need, you, know, you need two incomes to pay the mortgage. Well, one of you passes away, See, there's a reason. If you're a single person, no liabilities, no children, no, why do you need life insurance? You don't. You don't need it. Just invest the money in the market. So that's what I would do. Okay, have you heard of Silvergate Capital Corporation? Okay, they spawned a new kind of bank run. And the bank run is based on uh, exposure to cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. The bank was a, is a holder of customer digital assets, and they had an $8.1 billion drawdown on their deposits. No one's really paying attention to this, you know, uh, and there's no regulations, as you know, there's very little regulation on cryptocurrencies and 
I think this could be a, a, a problem down the road, and it could be a huge problem. As you know, I'm not a big cryptocurrency person, but I do think cryptocurrency is here to stay. But I think there's only going to be a handful of these currencies left at some point. So I think we need to be aware, you need to be aware, if you're investing in these kinds of banks that are doing this, you know, they could they could go out of business in a heartbeat. Okay. Okay, uh, there are three major money houses that most people have their money with, TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, and Vanguard. Now, TD is being bought by Schwab. It actually was bought a year or two years ago, and they've been combining you know, assets. So eventually, TD will disappear, and it's just going to be Schwab, Fidelity, and Vanguard. So these are big houses, right? I like... I like the fact that they're big. If you're going to keep your money somewhere and you want to keep it fairly, you want to keep it secure, I would I would stick with the big houses for the bulk of your money because they have financial security. Do you think the Federal Reserve is going to let Vanguard go out of business? Remember the financial crisis? How many banks did they let go out of business? They, they saved 99, nine-tenths of all the banks. The government did that. We were in trouble. They lent them money. They did whatever they had to do. And I like that as far as putting my money in one of these banks that they'll protect, help protect it. Just a thought. Okay? You need to think about that kind of stuff. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Uh, we had uh, some more economic news today. We didn't talk about the ISM services report. Remember, we are a service economy, so it's kind of important uh, how our service sector is doing. And anything above 50% means they're expanding. And last month, they came in at 56.5%. They expected it to come in at 55.1%, but it actually came in at 49.6%. Anything under 50%, is indication of recession. So that's not a good. The rest of the report, the rest of the economic statistics look look pretty good. Factory orders shrank 1.8%. Month before they rose 0.41%. So we're seeing the weakness coming into the economy. We're seeing it. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get your download anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. We have achieved about 49 million downloads, 48.5 million. And thank you for that. Justin and I really do appreciate it. Please be sure to review and rate us if you download, download on iTunes. And if you do, we'll answer a quick, quick question for you. You know, as fast as we can get to it. Independent thinking, share success. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 
5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.